Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Online, supertalk.fm. Good to be with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey for the next three hours. Sports Talk brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Do you have land financing needs in North Mississippi? Or maybe it's not just land, maybe it's something associated with land, like you're going to build a dream home on a piece of land. Maybe you are going to put a cabin on it. Maybe it's a piece of property where you're going to hunt or fish, and you get to be the one in charge. You don't have to abide by anybody else's rules. You get to make the rules. Well, Mississippi Land Bank can help you with all of those things. You can find a branch location near you. They're scattered across North Mississippi by going to their website, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. So... Um, with regard to the four teams that played yesterday in the conference championship games, I was kind of uh, like Switzerland. I didn't really have a rooting interest. I watched. I toyed with the idea of going to New Orleans. That made Borky mad on Friday, and I didn't want to make you mad, so I ended up not going. <laughs> oh, that's there's no way I, I thwarted you, is there? Uh, no, it was more really my wife. That was no, there. no, no, no. My wife never really took my uh, my proposal all that seriously, and uh, so that kind of thwarted it. Um, Rippy is somewhat Switzerland-like as well. He was fairly neutral with regard to those four teams yesterday. Uh, my friends Michael Borky and Brian Haydad were Switzerland with regard to the AFC Championship game, but they were decidedly not Switzerland with the NFC Championship game. First of all, do, do we need to have a little group therapy? Do you guys need to be talked off of a ledge today? <laughs> yeah, so you had a bad day. There are a lot of people that I think can uh, can relate to that. Borky, did you hold up okay? Did, did your party get uh, kind of messed up? Well, truthfully now, the pressure's on to put a good Super Bowl party on because nobody is going to care about watching the actual game now. Okay. Gotcha. So there was no NFC Championship game, no viewing party at your house? No, we just went to the bar, and it was more anger. Like, last year's game, 
was decided by a play on the field. Marcus Williams just did not make a necessary play. It was it was a shocking thing. It was a miracle. But at the end of the day, a player failed to make the necessary play in order to win the game. In okay. this case, everything was done that was required to win the game, and a blown call took the opportunity for a Super Bowl away from a team that did the necessary things on the field in order to go to that game. I I mostly agree with you, and we're going to peel back some of the layers on this as we go through this afternoon. Uh, Hey, Dad, just a moment ago, you tweeted, Today on Sports Talk Mississippi, sadness, bitterness, anger, maybe some jokes, tune in now. So the range of emotions for you is pretty widespread. Just like everything else in my life, pretty wide, yes. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Well, okay, we got the jokes out of the way. Now, how about the sadness, sadness, bitterness, and anger? I'm done with that. I'm done being happy for the rest of the day. I'd like to formally request the Monday after the Super Bowl off so I don't have to watch it. God. Two years in a row of just historic losses. These are the kind of losses people will look back. It's, you know, who lost the 1998 NFC Championship? Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Nothing happened in that game. But these are the kind of losses that will haunt me until my dying day. Ah. Are God. you okay, I know I think I know the answer to this, but I think it's a question that bears asking. Are you madder at the official that didn't throw the flag on what was clearly pass interference and slightly less clearly but certainly could have been called helmet to helmet contact. You could have gone either or. You get neither. So are you madder at the official that did not throw that flag, or are you madder at Sean Payton for throwing the ball on first down and not running it and milking the clock and kicking a field goal to win it? I'm madder at the official because it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. If he had just made the right call, it's first and goal at the, what, the one-yard line, and you're going to run the clock out and kick a field goal and win but if Peyton runs the ball there, they but, likely but, don't have time to get in field goal range. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, and if that's, they make the right call, it doesn't matter. But there's missed calls throughout the game. Yeah, like they but missed not a delay that of game that led, that to, led to a Saints not touchdown. Not that egregious. And don't missed forget, in the, call. in the NFL, delay of game is not when the play clock hits zero. We learned this earlier this year. Remember, uh, the head of officials went on the Dan Patrick show and said it's a guideline. It is not but, set in stone. But so go look at how hit, how long it was on zero I, for I, that I, one play. I'm just saying that's justifiable. There is okay, nothing. Well, 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 let me let me let me ask the question about the uh, the face mask call that they missed on missed on Jared Goff. Yeah, missed that. They they absolutely missed that call. But you can understand how they missed it. It happened so quickly. Right. That pass interference. Three refs had a perfect uninhibited angle at the play, and it was egregious. It it was obvious. It wasn't a missed call. I have a theory on on why they missed it. It's not anything like black helicopters, NFL corruption, but there is no excuse. It wasn't human error. It wasn't they just missed the call. They ignored the obvious. I have a theory, too. They're just bad at their jobs. See, but I I can't – incompetence is not an adequate explanation for me for that. (laughs) With officiating? Sure it is. For that? It's every sport. I think replay made it look worse than it was. I agree it was egregious. I'm not saying like it was bang, bang. But the first time you saw it in live action, to me, 
and I didn't have a dog in the fight, it did not look nearly as obvious as replay did. Because once they showed replay and showed a different angle, it was pretty brutal. But the first time I saw it, it didn't look that bad, if that makes I any disagree. sense. When I, watching it live before the replay, I, I was up off the couch screaming, what is what? Yeah, everybody in the bar. The, the second the hit happened, everybody cheered because they thought it was auto first down yeah, in ball game. Yeah, first down. No, it's not. It's not. It's so... The, if you go back to the play where most people agree that Sean Payton should have called called a run, you're talking about first and ten at the Rams thirteen with a minute fifty eight to play, and you throw the incomplete pass that was intended for Michael Thomas, right? Yeah, he threw it in the dirt too. That's one of the. It was, if I'm remembering correctly, it was one of those little slip screens that they do where Breeze takes the snap, literally takes one step back, and they throw like the ball travels maybe five yards down the line in this little slip screen, and Breeze just threw it in the dirt. I mean, that is the highest percentage pass that they throw in that offense, and Drew just didn't execute in that moment. But it doesn't Um, matter. It doesn't matter because they made the right call. The Saints win the game. Here's actually something that I I said to Jane last night. We we watched most of the the Saints game, watched overtime, and then we went and ate dinner with some friends last night. And as we were driving um, to to eat last night, I said, here's the thing. That call doesn't just change the outcome of the game. That call, or non-call, actually changes the course of NFL football history. You likely keep Drew Brees from, now who knows what would have happened, but assuming the call is made, the Saints run the clock down and they kick a field goal to win it. Um, you, you keep Drew Brees from going to another Super Bowl. You change his legacy. You keep the Saints from potentially, and you'd have to go and win it, but potentially winning another Super Bowl. So you change that piece of NFL history. And you put a black eye on the NFL that frankly never completely goes away. Yep. And, and what's going to happen now? There was supposed to be a statement released by the NFL. Now they're holding back on that. What are they about to say? Because there's nothing they can say. They're not, I, I've seen it going around today. There's no way that you know, they're not going to restart the game. They're not going to put the teams back on the field. The Rams are going to the Super Bowl. But what, are they, what is the NFL going to say? They they, don't they have can to say do anything right? No, they don't because they don't have to say anything. Yeah. Pe- people are screaming accountability, and yeah, there should be accountability. But why does the NFL have to hold themselves accountable when here in two weeks everybody's going to watch the Super Bowl and and nobody's going to remember this outside of this region of the country? So there, I'll it. there is no accountability that needs to be done. I I do expect some legislative changes. With how like Canadian football, you can replay certain penalties depending. The NFL, I promise you, is going to consider it, and we may see a rule change there. But other than that, what can they do? You know, hate that stance, and and I don't disagree. Uh, Let me say that first. I don't disagree, hey, Dad, with anything that you're saying, that, that none of the other stuff matters if you just make the call that is the right call there. But there are other reasons that the Saints did not win that football game yesterday. We'll unpack some of those coming up, and and we'll keep as the backdrop that maybe none of that matters if you make the right call 
in a big moment at the end of a game with a team trying to get to the Super Bowl. But what could the Saints have done differently yesterday that would have taken that play out of the hands of the officials? More coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio. New Orleans Saints got the ball to start the ball game yesterday. 11 plays, 4 minutes and 56 seconds, drove the ball down inside the 20-yard line after 56 yards gained, and they had to kick a field goal. Their second possession of the game, 4 plays, minute 29, after a turnover, had to kick a field goal. See, I think there's as big an argument to be made that the Saints lost the game on those first two drives as at any point. Did you guys, when you saw that early, where you saw field goal, field goal to start the game, did you have the thought, oh, geez, please don't let that come back to bite us? Yeah, you knew that was going. The Rams were too good. I mean, I've seen a lot of, well, they shouldn't have blown a 13 nothing lead as if the L.A. Rams just weren't on the field and the Saints just let them do that. I mean, it was a... It was a game between two extremely evenly matched teams. And so even though the Saints went up 13-0, you knew that wasn't going to last because how good L.A. was, despite the crowd noise and everything else. What kills me about that penalty is, yes, the Saints were up 13-0. Yes, the Rams did come back from that 13-0 deficit. Yes, Drew Brees did throw an interception in overtime, even though his arm was hit. Um, So really, it was Ramchek that gave up a hit on his quarterback that led to an interception. Yeah, Sean Payton elected to throw on first down in that situation instead of running the clock out in that moment. But all of that was decided by players and coaches on the field. The the play on the field was enough for the Saints to win the game. Yeah, they probably could have done things differently earlier in the football game or later, talking about the Breeze interception, to alter the outcome. But when you're talking about a game between two teams that are as good and evenly matched as those two teams are, you can nitpick the entire game. But as long as it's players and coaches, that's fine. The second an outside entity forced itself into the game and and dictated the outcome is where it becomes an issue. People are acting like 13-point leads in the first quarter don't go away every single week in every single football league. I mean, it's 13 nothing in the first quarter. This isn't the Falcons up 25 points with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. This is 13 nothing on one of the best offensive teams in the NFL in the first quarter. So I, I agree with Borky that, you know, when they got those first two field goals, I was like, oh, that's, you know, I would have liked to have seen a touchdown there, you know, especially off coming off the interception because I thought that might have been not a backbreaker that early in the game, but that would have been a, a, a big haymaker to land. But it was it's 13 nothing. It's not even two touchdowns against the Rams with, with all their weapons. I mean, it, people are acting like they blew a 40 to nothing lead. It, it, that's not it. And again, like, like Borky said, all of that is inconsequential if the, the right call is made at the end. Every other bit of it is inconsequential. If you just make the right call, the Saints win the ball game. Period. I realize this is kind of blurring the lines between the two games that were played yesterday, the NFC first, the AFC later. Both games go to overtime, which if you have zero rooting interest, then you go, man, what a great day of football. you got two overtime games to decide who is going to the Super Bowl. But because we had overtime, and the format of overtime didn't really affect the outcome, 
in the Saints-Rams game. It certainly did affect the outcome in the night game. What about overtime rules in the NFL? And I asked this with the backdrop. I heard an interview earlier today with Jeff Saturday, who you know, former offensive lineman with the Colts for a long time, and he said, do not change anything about the overtime rules. He goes, it's a three-phase game. It's offense, it's defense, and special teams. You want to get win the game, get a stop. I thought that was an interesting take coming from a former player. Um, but with that said, how do you feel about the NFL's overtime rules? I'm not a huge fan. I, I prefer what would you do differently? Overtime. I like the college overtime rule. I just do. Maybe, and 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 I've said on this show many times. I prefer college football to pro football anyway. So you know, I'm always sort of going to lean to what the college game does. But for me, that that's you know, both teams get the ball. You got to match score. If you can match score for score, we, we're good. And and that just works for me. I, that said, I, I sort of see the whole point. Like I giving them the short field. With the NFL, giving somebody a short field, you're almost guaranteeing touchdowns, but I don't have a problem with that. I, the, the, the LSU-Texas A&M game, I loved every second of that, and I would watch it again. So, and, that was, it's fun, and that's what this is supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun, which it isn't today, but oh well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with the college, the way the college does it. I don't necessarily mind the NFL rules, but the way they've tempered the rules – to make it so much easier on offenses and so much harder on defenses, it seems silly not to give both offenses a chance no matter the outcome on the first drive. That's a good point. I mean, it's better. The 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 old rule where whoever scored first seemed borderline moronic because if you got inside the other team's 40 with NFL kickers, game's probably over. So they adjusted it a little bit, but again, with the way the offenses are going, it, it, it seems silly not to give both offenses a chance to possess the football. I might, I might go hybrid. Uh, I might take the college rules and then tweak them, and instead of starting at the 25, either you start at the 40 or you start at midfield. Yeah, that's, that's, that makes a lot of sense. You're you're not in field goal range when a drive begins. I guess forty. That's a well. I mean, I guess technically the forty you are in field goal range for some teams. In the like NFL. the Rams, like the Rams. Um, Greg yeah. the leg. I mean, just for a second, the game-winning kick it was a fifty-seven yard field goal that would have been good from what sixty seven three plus maybe four five. Yeah, that's ice water. I mean, it, if the field goal post was the size of a football, he probably still would have made it. It was that accurate. Did y'all two think he was going to make it? Like, I yeah, know NFL I kickers it. are good, but 57, uh, man. Knew I'm, it. I'm just old negative guy. As soon as the, the missed penalty happened, I knew the Saints were going to lose the game. I, I never had any faith in the Saints to win the game. Even when they won the toss and, and got the ball first, I never had any faith they were going to win that game after that call happened. Let's talk about how the Saints' offense has changed since the game against Dallas. What was, at the midway point of the season, maybe the most explosive and most electric offense in all of football, kind of turned into dink and dunk, didn't it? Yeah, they got hurt up front, and they weren't able to protect Breeze the way they wanted to. I mean, Andrews Pete, even though... But I I thought we've heard for the last couple of weeks that they were finally completely healthy. Yeah, we thought so. At least that's what they told us until you know their left guard has a broken hand trying to block Fletcher Cox and Aaron Donald in consecutive weeks. 
Don't you think they need to get Breeze another deep threat or maybe multiple? Yeah. I mean, he yeah. doesn't have very many weapons. Like, other than the two backs, the two backs are terrific. To get but... one, though. So unless they're going to go out in the free agent market or, you know, if we have to find one later in the draft, I don't know. But didn't help that Ginn was hurt for most of the year either. Yeah. Well, the Saint, the, and he comes up with a huge catch late in the ballgame. Yeah. The Saints don't feel was, done either, game, right? I mean, next year is every bit as good of a chance as this year, it I mean, seems right. like. In free agency. But they shouldn't drop off. The division's not sh- that difficult. The window is next year. I it's mean, shutting. It's not shut, though, right? Right. right. I mean, you got one more year before you. Because you, I can't imagine Breeze. Breeze in 2021, I don't know. Or I guess that would be 2020. Uh, but because I don't know what's going to happen with Bridgewater. Are they going to try to make a play to say, look, sit, sit on the bench for one more year? But I mean, yeah, you, the window is still shocked? there for another season. Would you be shocked to see the exact same two teams in the NFC Championship game next year? Nope. No. No. I think the Bears will still be there, Hold too. on. Is that like, bad for like the NFL? Is that... <laughs> no, it's not bad for the NFL. <laughs> a little different. Well, but hold on a second now. It's bad for college football when we get repeat matchups in, no, in no, the semifinal I'm not, I'm not one of the people saying that. I'm not. That's not me. Okay. Well... It's the NFL doesn't either, have a disproportionate though. stable of coaches just like off the field getting paid as analysts. Like everything's way more equal in that league. That's fair. True. Enough. That's fair enough. I, that, see, that was my attempt at jokes. Didn't go so well. Um, <laughs> Some truth to it, though. There is. If you look around the NFL, yeah, I mean, I agree. The Bears, pretty good. Yes. Cowboys tri- should still be there in the East. Philly Eagles. is always going to be there. Yeah. So long as Doug Peterson's the coach. Yeah, I yeah, but they may not have Nick Foles to get them that far <laughs> next year. I think good a fully point. healthy Wentz, they're still pretty good, though. With with respect to Chicago and Dallas, I think eventually there's a ceiling that's where the quarterback can take you. So, you know, Trubisky's all right. I, I think Nagy masked a lot of his def- deficiencies. So I, I think... I mean, they're still by far and away the two best teams in the NFC next year, right? The Rams and Saints. Maybe Philadelphia healthy. True or false, Jared Goff outplayed Drew Brees yesterday. Late in the game, yeah. It's a push for me. Neither quarterback was exceptionally great yesterday. But isn't it about just making... Well, okay. That's fine with the question that I asked. That, that, that is an altogether fine answer. C Spire text line open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Please don't text and drive. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Richard and Wiggins on the C Spire text line. He tweeted, sorry, he texted us. Who that? And then he followed it up with, y'all hollow the question, but you never answer. Richard throwing a little shade on a, uh, a Monday afternoon where I'm not sure that uh, the recipients of said shade are really interested in shade on this particular day. The officials, that's who. Hmm. I mean, let's be honest here. Explain to me how they missed that. What is the justification for not calling pass interference, or helmet to helmet for that matter, in that moment when two officials were standing within five yards of the play and another one had a unhindered direct line of sight towards the play? How does that go uncalled in the National Football League NFC Championship game? 
they'd already missed the helmet to helmet earlier in the game too that put Josh Hill into the concussion protocol. Yeah, also missed a face mask just to drive earlier too. If you're if you're trying to sell me that officials suck, you're not gonna have to try very hard. But they're terrible. Well, in those instances, level. in those instances, I can see well, human error, games fast, calls get missed. On that pi, that is not human error. That is not games too fast. That is not calls get missed. There is the blown no, call that goes against you. It's not a blown call though. That that is an ignored call. Well, okay. Uh, let, let's press let's press pause just for a second. Text line comes in. Uh, this is from a friend of mine who's actually uh, a coordinator of officials in North Mississippi. He says, "Hey, anybody want to be an official in a spring game or a Jamboree high school game this year?" Yeah, and I wouldn't miss a PI that obvious. Yeah. Well, you might not, but I, I think his point is it's harder than it looks. So let, let me let me try to – I don't know that this is a reasonable answer to your question or not. But at, at every level of sports, I think you have different levels of um, mental ability. I don't know if that's the right way to describe it or not. And some people – in the absolute biggest moments, rise to the occasion. No better example than Tom Brady. Maybe better at rising to the occasion than any than anybody who's ever played the game at any level. But you also have people who, in the absolute biggest moments, freeze. They can't pull the trigger. They can't make the play. And I bet if you ask the uh, the official, let's see, what was his name? Uh, Calvaletti or something like that. I've got it right here. Just got to scroll to it. Um, Gary Cavalletto. I bet if you ask him today, would you like to have a redo? Well, of course I'd like to have a redo. If you had a redo, would you throw the flag? Absolutely, 100% I would throw the flag. He believes with 100% certainty that he would throw the flag if that play happened to him again. But how are we to know that if you replicate the exact situation in that moment, in that game, with that atmosphere, with a trip to the Super Bowl hanging on the balance, that he would be able to pull the trigger, reach for, and throw his flag the way that he knows he should have? It Could, could it be that it's as simple as he just couldn't pull the trigger even though he meant to? Then that's not good enough. That's not well, good enough. That, well, that's a really good point because my thought, all joking aside about the NFL being corrupt and stuff, my thought was that's a guy that did not want to be the story. He was afraid of becoming <laughs> well, he the story. screwed that up. I, yeah, I, understandably so, but that was my thought is he did not want to be the story, and so, Richard, to the way you're saying, he froze. That that was That's the only way I can ju- – Officials making the right call will never be the story. I, and I would the guy, agree that. Your, your friend, your friend, who's the head of officials, you know, do we want to get there and try it? No. I also, when I go to a restaurant and they screw up my food, I don't want to be the chef. All right, I want the people who get paid to do the job to do the job. All right, when I, I get paid to do my job, I don't want anybody to come on here and do my job for me. Do your job. What about when that's you screw what I up? want? I screw up in this job. I screw up, and when I get when I screw up, you know what happens? I come out here and I take accountability for it if I can. 
Yeah, when I screwed up in the past, I make apologies. Well, what about that I thing it. you said on Friday, hey, Dad? What's that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> what did I say? Uh, uh, all right, here's some reaction. Joe and Starkville, y'all are beating a dead horse. It's done and over. Joe, I would ask you this. The heck else do you want us to talk about on a Monday after the biggest game the for a lot of Let's people in the, the state future, of Mississippi? Do you want to talk? Everything doing, happened. I think he's directing that towards like Saints fans because they're. I think he's directing like no part of y'all is upset about the million other opportunities you could have had to you know put the game away before it got to that point. No, the because they did everything. They the, did everything that it took to win the they? game. Yeah, they did because yes. if the call is well, correct, he, they win the game. So they. Had the game won, if the call is the obvious, no doubter is made, they win the game. Yeah, they didn't play perfect, but I mean, it, you you ask that question as if See, like, I the think Rams it was an incredibly boneheaded coaching decision that Sean Payton made that put him in that position in the first place. Yeah, well, I would honestly that that first down pass, I would put that more on Breeze than I would Payton. That is the highest percentage of pass that he can call. I mean, it is completed like 95% of the time. That is a, just a little five-yard like hitch screen that the receiver, the slot receiver, runs towards the offensive line at the snap to catch the football. And Breeze just threw it in the dirt. All right, a couple, couple of things that, um, that, that are kind of worth pointing out. The officials that they had on this game, it is, and <laughs> try not to laugh when I say this, okay? It is, for lack of a better way to describe it, an all-star crew. So they grade officials throughout the season, and if you get an, a, a conference championship game or a Super Bowl game, um, a, a Super Bowl assignment, then you are in the top tier of how somebody at your position graded out for the year. Uh, I, I think there are people that are curious about how the assignments work. They, they grade officials throughout the year, Um Guys that work wild card games don't get to work first round games. Guys that work first round games don't get to work wild card games. But after the wild card round and the first round are done, everybody that was eligible for a playoff game is eligible to work the conference championship games or the Super Bowl with some like small exceptions. So this is a guy who had been good. John in Oxford says, if my point, the one I made a second ago about freezing, is correct, then he shouldn't have been out there. The NFL makes enough money to come up with a way to figure out whether or not that will happen with people. Yeah, but you can't replicate that situa- that particular situation. I-, I am not at all excusing the fact that he didn't throw the flag. We started out this conversation today saying, it's a missed call. The NFL admitted that. They admitted it to Sean Payton immediately after the game. Doesn't make anybody feel any better. I'm just saying that in the biggest of big moments, and there's not been a moment for that guy that's been any bigger in his career, sometimes you freeze. Some people freeze, whereas some people rise to the occasion. What about I think the other froze. two? The other two what? The other officials. two officials? Yeah, there's, there's three guys there that could have made that call. Including the referee, by the way. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Was Bill Vinovich the referee? Is that right? Yes. So he comes out and makes that. Now, to me, this is the worst look of everything. Comes out after the game. Well, I'm not entirely sure which play you're talking about. Okay, well, let's spell it out. Oh, yeah, I didn't. I haven't seen it. I didn't have a, a right. clear view. Well, there's a still shot of you looking directly at the play. Yeah. This is what we're talking about when there's no accountability. There's nothing going to happen to that guy. He'll be back refereeing games next year. No question. 
Probably not a conference championship game. You you say, you know, these are the best of the NFL officials. Okay, that's like the skinniest kid at fat camp. They all aren't good, so it's the best of the worst. So why leave it in their hands? So so what would you do to change it going forward? I have no idea. Do I don't have a really good solution. I mean, other than... I mean, I don't, there's got to be some sort of, hey, if you blow a call like that, you're fired, and it's public. Like, no, we no, no, fired this guy to today because he blew this call. I, I mean to fix it in real time. What would you do? Change legislation oh. to uh, allow for some kind of selective review. It can't be every play, but selective review yeah, on obviously I, egregious calls. I saw a, 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 it was on, on the text line or on, on our Twitter feed or what, but the idea that the coaches have, call it whatever you want, ultimate challenge, whatever. You get one play a game. One play where you can challenge, and you got to be specific. Like, I want to challenge. I think that was pass interference. I want that reviewed. You get one a game. What happens if you use that early in the game and then you need so it? Then you're just the screwed. End. Then you that's use, too it's bad. the same way you, if you use the rest yeah, of but, your challenge. But you're not. But but you're not okay with that explanation today. If Sean Payton has used that for for an egregious yeah, call you're earlier the in the same game, same thing you are right now. I don't know if I would be or not because that rule doesn't exist. If he had, if he had, if he had blown her on the, that's something that coaches probably would keep in their back pocket until they absolutely had to use it. This strikes me as you wouldn't come out in the first quarter and say, "I want to go ahead and use this." It's not like one of those regular challenges. So, so you want like the golden buzzer on America's a golden Got ticket, Talent, basically? Yes, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I gotta come up with an idea. I'm not the one getting paid millions of dollars to do that. The NFL needs to figure this out and quickly. The idea that this rule is out there that the commissioner could theoretically put the teams back on the field and That's resume play. Happen. Well, no, I get that it's not going to happen. Let's just pretend that it did happen and this thing had played out the other way. Would you be irate if you were, like, if you just completely flipped? Eh, let, let's hold on to that. Well, we'll come to that coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Rule 17, Section 2, Article 1. You've probably seen this floating around. The commissioner has the sole authority to investigate and take appropriate disciplinary and or corrective measures if any club action, non-participant interference, or calamity occurs in an NFL game which the commissioner deems so extraordinarily unfair or outside the accepted tactics encountered in professional football that such action has a major effect on the result of the game. That rule exists. It puts a lot of... Um, a lot of oomph behind the commissioner's office. Uh, Article 3 of the same section, the commissioner's powers under this section to include the reversal of a game's results or the rescheduling of a game, whether from the beginning or from the point at which the extraordinary act occurred. So that language exists. Hey, Dad, we've talked around that, and you have immediately said, oh, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. I think we all agree that probably it's not going to happen. So let me ask you first, do you want it to happen? Do you want the commissioner to say, that was so egregious that we need to put these two teams back on the field and play the last minute and a half of the game? No. That that rule is in place from what I read. Basically, if a fan were to go on the field and disrupt a game-winning field goal, then the commissioner could say, we got to restart the game from that point. And I get that, you know, because it, it says calamitous. And I'm not going to go so far as to say that this call is a calamity. Uh, I mean, it's a bad call. It's a horrible call. 
It says calamity, but it also says non-participant interference. An official is a participant in the game. You have to. They're part of. The, they're part of the game. That that's not. Okay. That's not. Uh, so, that's but, not, but you don't want this to happen. I mean, even if it resulted I, I, in I first and goal, well, I, I, run I down the clock, that. kick a field goal, go to the Super no. Bowl. You don't want to see it. I, I, I personally can't get behind that. No. Forky, do you want to see it? You're a Saints fan. No, no, because I don't like the precedent that would set. Yeah, that would really open Pandora's box. Like, I feel like that rule would be reserved for, like, a fan or if, like, right. Roby Coleman had some sort of object in his sock that he used on the last play or <laughs> he something. Shivved like, him. I, that seems very, yeah, shivved him. Just <laughs> something or, you very, know, like, more extreme. Something happens where, like, you're in a dome stadium and, and a piece of equipment falls on the field during a play or something. I mean, something terrible happens. Not, not this. I, I can't. I can't get behind that. Something needs to happen, though. I mean, that I agree with. This is the name's escaping me of the pitcher. Remember, he was one out away from a perfect game, and he he played for the Tigers. Oh, oh gosh! And the umpire, uh, the guy. I remember was, that. He, yeah. he was he was three steps out. I mean, it, just the easiest out call in the history of baseball, and the umpire for some reason called him safe. Like two weeks later, the umpire and the player met, and they had a press conference, and the umpire just expressed how sorry he was, and just was really open. and It was actually a really cool sports moment. And I can't remember the guy's name, and I hate myself for it. The, the NFL umpire's, does... Go ahead. The umpire's Jim Joyce. I can't remember the guy's... Oh, Armando Galarraga. There we go. Yeah, yeah. That, that ended up being a really heartwarming, as lame as that sounds, sports moment. The NFL doesn't need to do that, but this story last night and this morning about how they were going to re- release a statement, but they couldn't agree on language with their lawyers in order to release a statement is just cowardice garbage. Say something. So, but I, I guess what I'm asking, though, is what do you want? What, what, what do you want that the result of not this to have, be? Now, I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying, and, and I, I hear I, Haydad I, saying the exact same thing. It can't happen. It shouldn't happen. It, 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 it just can't. So, so what do you want as a result? Punish the you officials mean, you involved? You mean going and, forward, or you mean today? Based on what happened last night, what do you want to happen going forward? Do you want this official banned for life? Yes. Do you want the final minute and a half of the game replayed? No. Um, do, do you want a, a, a public reprimand? Do you want Roger Goodell to step yes. down as commissioner? And well, whatever. yeah, but for maybe not that That's reason. That's different. That's completely different, yeah. <laughs> I understand. So what I mean, do you want? The, the official himself, yes, should not be allowed to officiate NFL football anymore. Period. I agree Off with that. Off of one statement. mistake. That, there are mistakes, and then there are mistakes. I mean, but it's the same call. It's just the time of the call. It doesn't matter. Well, that's that's the true about that that's true matter. about anything, you know. I mean, that's true about everything you do. There are times so if, when when mistakes. If you made are a mistake worse. in the five o'clock hour of the show versus the three o'clock hour. You should be banned from radio. It de- no, but the, the the quality of the mistake would make a difference. You know, if I come in here and I say, "Oh yeah, Mississippi State won the game seventy-two to fifty-three when the score was seventy-one to fifty-five," that's one thing. If I come on here and, you know, start dropping F-bombs, that's another one. But the mistake itself in this case is the exact same. The but there is a level of same. egregiousness to it. Oh, this is the timing. No, it's because the, the team yeah. that you wanted to see win... Oh, here we go. Was No, no, I'm, is it not? 
it's a bad call no matter what. Nobody should be in favor of this. And everybody I, should be in favor of I, this guy no, not fighting anymore. 100%, because but, like but you think, if you is, think he can't do it because he froze up, he's got to go. He's got no business officiating those kind of games. What if I said he doesn't get to ever officiate a playoff game again? But the regular season's okay. I mean, the regular season is what determines the playoffs. This guy isn't cut out to officiate NFL football. Period. But there are lots of officials that you believe that about, right? Do what now? Aren't there lots of officials that you believe that about? We'll, we'll come back to it in the next half. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad with you. All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon. Uh, you want to text the show? You can do so, 601-879-4395. Theoretically, we've got a lot to get to today, although we just spent the entire first hour. <laughs> uh, it was cathartic for uh, for Haydad and, uh, and Borky. Or maybe it wasn't cathartic. Maybe it just made it worse. Um, so you got the, the NFL stories from yesterday. Tom Brady and the Patriots are still alive after an overtime win against the Chiefs. Basketball from the weekend. You had Ole Miss winning at home against Arkansas on Saturday. Mississippi State winning on the road against Vanderbilt on Saturday night. Changing, uh, changing the coaching staff at Mississippi State on the football side. We'll get to uh, things coming up a little bit. Uh, that, that story coming up a little bit later this afternoon in the college football fix. And also, how good was Tony Romo last night? First of all, given the way the early part of the day went, were, were you two Hootat boys, you two when the Saints go marching in boys, able to stomach any more football later in the day? Let me tell you that as soon as the field goal went over the uh, the crossbar, or, or actually you know soared over it, I turned off the television and it did not go back on. I did not watch a single moment of the AFC Championship game. Okay, I'm glad you continued to think about your job responsibilities despite your angst. That's good. You said you didn't watch it either. You said it. I didn't. You went didn't to dinner. That. No, I said I watched the first game, mm-hmm. and then we went to dinner in between games, and then I watched the second game. Hey, at least your TV didn't suffer the same result of the gentleman who appeared to be a Saints fan that was watching shirtless standing late in the game, and when they lost the game, I'm talking about a right, jab into the center of his flat-screen television that uh, dislodged it from the rest of the television. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it, but, I mean, it it seems like these videos crop up every year. I'm starting to the point where I'm pretty sure those guys already had the other TV in the back room ready to to install, and they're just trying to get some likes. Uh, Let's see if we can find this on uh, Twitter. Guy punches TV. Uh, I mean, I remember I saw one last year from the Steelers when they lost, when the... uh, yeah, the, the, I think some of those are staged, but I mean, this is a mean. I don't think punch this one this in particular was. Yeah. yeah, this fellow looked pretty angry, and then the other guy kind of looked at him like, "What did you?" It looked like it may not have been his TV because the other guy oh, looked at more. him like, "What did you just do to my TV?" <laughs> my why wife, was his shirt off. <laughs> I, lo- I love my wife, but yesterday she, she upset me because uh, after the game, you know, I'm just sitting there silently on Twitter, blah blah blah, whatever I'm doing, and. uh 
she comes out of the living room, and I was like, are you about to cook? And she's like, yeah. I was like, I, I'm not going to eat. I'm just too disgusted. And she's like, didn't the Saints win? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, did you hear a celebration in here? Did I start jumping up and down? Did you oh. feel the house shake when I started jumping I like, up and you, down? I mean, did you hear me? If the Saints had won, you would have known. I would have stood up. I would have been going crazy. It just went to silent. You might have started cooking yourself already. I might have. But no. But, Borky, did you write, did you watch the nightcap, Borky? Yeah, I did. Um, er, truth be told, I was just on Twitter mad for the first two quarters, so I missed those entirely. But, yeah, I, I had the game on behind my phone anyway. You were an innocent bystander. You soaked up all of it, didn't you, Rip? I did. I watched every play of both games. It's a great day. Hey, Dad, you should um, you, you should Google Saints fan punches TV. There are plenty of options I'm for you sure to watch the them. video of the. Uh, yeah, that's got to be the guy. Yeah, shirtless Saints fan loses his mind. Yeah, not not safe here, so. for uh, not safe for radio. I, I wanted to play it, but <laughs> can't do that. Well, I'll, I'll check it out during the break. Um. Let's uh, let's press pause on the football for a little while and talk some basketball because it was a good Saturday for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State on the hardwood. Ole Miss had the early game. Rippy, you were there. Uh, I did the television broadcast for that game. Kermit Davis said after it was over, as Ole Miss beat Arkansas by seventeen, he thought it was the best game they had played this year. Best win, which I could see where he could where he's coming from in that sense because they had won 10 games in a row prior to Tuesday night's loss you know really hadn't had much bad happen to him over the course of the last seven weeks nearly two months so I think he was you know kind of wondering how they would respond because it was a team a year ago that was pretty mentally fragile and they seemed to have flipped the script on that almost completely like they almost seemed to be better in adverse circumstances this year and so they put came out and put together a pretty good game. I mean, they, they took Daniel Gafford out of the game. He was a non-factor with nine points on just six shots. You know, Dom scored 13 points. I think like 10 or 11 of those came in the first 12 all minutes th- of the game. All, all 13, 13 in the, in the first, first half. half. And Bruce Stevens played well, too. They both played really well defensively, which has been kind of their biggest liability. So I, I could see where he's coming from in saying that. I had... Um... Because I was doing the game, I was at practice on Friday afternoon. And because of the limited number of available bodies for Ole Miss, I knew Bruce Stevens was going to play. But to say that he's being coached in a way that he hasn't been coached before by Kermit Davis would be a bit of an understatement. There was part of me that wondered, is he going to see the floor? Not only did he see the floor, but he finished with 14 points on six of seven shooting in 18 minutes. I would have been—I would have certainly taken the under if you had given me 18 minutes for Bruce Stevens in that game, based on what I saw 18 hours prior. Yes, but a part of that he's playing out of necessity. There's nothing behind him. Kermit right. Davis doesn't have really sure. any other option. I don't think the bench has developed as as. As quickly as he would like to, with regards to Naylor and Hallams and Luis Rodriguez, and so, but to your point, he did play much better, which I think was an encouraging sign for Kermit Davis and something they can build off of. But now you're kind of sitting in a position to where you have a chance to go on the road and get to five and one in the SEC before catching a break 
in a not really a break because it is a meaningful game with Iowa State, but as far as conference implications, you kind of get a Saturday off to where that's not at stake. So if if Terrence Davis had not picked up his fourth foul with about eight minutes to play, we could very well be talking about him with a triple double. 18 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. He went to the bench with 8 minutes to play with 18 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists in that game. Yeah, and you thought he might have to shoulder a little bit more offensive responsibility um, you know, with, with a limited shooter and Bree and Tyree having to slide to the point more often than he'd like to. DV, DC Davis acquitted himself pretty well, and I think he played 27, 27 minutes. minutes in that game. Um, really where they killed Arkansas was the pick and roll. So part of the reason Dom was so successful is because they kind of got Gafford in a lot of pick and roll situations to where he sometimes he'd switch them and you know Terrence Davis and Brian Tyree whoever it was in the pick and roll would would have an advantage there and then the, a guard on Dom and then if they hedged it that's really kind of where they got him because Terrence Davis stuck with the roll and Dom was open near the basket late and they they cut him up with that pretty good particularly early in the game. Rippy, so are you surprised 80- that not only that they bounced back so so well. But, I mean, they dominated the game from from start to finish, from what I can tell. Are you surprised at just how well they bounced back? Um, yeah, in somewhat. I figured they might be. They, I, I was surprised they started as quickly as they did. They got off to a pretty good start and had pretty good energy. Um, and part of that is Arkansas doesn't seem like they're nearly as good as they should be with the projected lottery pick on the floor. They, uh, they're not good. He didn't strike me as a lottery pick. I, I, he played really poorly, but I don't know. It seems like in that kind of game, given the Ole Miss, the kind of lineup Ole Miss runs out, how does he only get six shots? It, it, yeah, so they should have run more offense through him. But, man, just watching him, Ole Miss has a good basketball team this year, but Ole Miss is, what do you want to call it, limited in the post. They play uh, one guy who has to be coached as hard as – possible as Richard said another one who's a seven footer but extremely limited and then two freshmen true freshmen and both of them are a little undersized and this guy's supposed to be a first round pick in the NBA all I'm saying is if if my team was tanking to draft that guy I would be worried he's a lottery pick I don't think anybody's tanking to draft I think he's a end of the lottery slip just out of the lottery but still first round type of guy yeah He's incredibly athletic. That that he he mailed it in a little bit on on Saturday. I think there was some frustration that that snuck in, and he just wasn't very good. Ole Miss eighty four sixty seven to improve to fourteen and three and four and one in conference play. And if you're an Ole Miss basketball fan, you've reached the point of the year where you're starting to kind of do some math and say, okay, well, what's the number you've got to get to to be an NCAA tournament team, and what's the roadmap to getting to that number? Five games in the books, 13 conference games remaining, and kind of a de facto 14th conference game because of Iowa State coming to town this Saturday. Coming up next, we'll turn our sights to Nashville. Mississippi State won against Vanderbilt on the road on Saturday night. Sit tight. More coming up in the Rendezvous Bank Studio. Super Talk Mississippi. Talk 
Mississippi brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, you can contact Mississippi Land Bank at the phone number on their website, or you can find a branch location that is near you. They're scattered across North Mississippi, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Saturday night in Nashville, Quindary Weatherspoon led the way for Mississippi State with 17 points. Eric Holman had 10. Tyson Carter had 10. Those were the only three players for the Bulldogs in double figures. But everybody that played scored in the game. 71-55 the final. Mississippi State now 14-3 overall, 2-2 in the SEC after starting league play 0-2. They've won two in a row. Vanderbilt falls to 9-8 and 0-5. Hey, Dad. I watched most of this game, mm-hmm. and it was exactly what Mississippi State needed just to get a win. didn't matter how it looked or how it felt or anything. Just go win. You need, Go on the road, get a win, and get ready for a huge one coming up against Kentucky. As you watched that, was that kind of a hard game to watch for you? Oh, it was ugly. Okay. Ugly, that Richard. makes me I mean, feel better. Vanderbilt. First of all, Vanderbilt. You know, I saw Florida on uh, Tuesday, obviously. And thought, man, that's a really bad basketball team. But then I saw Vanderbilt, and they are so much worse. I can't believe that this uh, that Darius Garland was this big a piece to Vanderbilt's success because they they don't look like they belong in the SEC. I mean, I, it's it's incredible. They shot thirty six percent, thirty seven percent, and then you know they had to bring that up from the first half. So. But they're just not very good, and State sort of fell into that a little bit too. You know, they started taking some some three pointers they didn't need to take. They were only five of nineteen from from three, and they did really well inside the arc and really poorly outside. And I think part of that was they knew they had the game in hand. They knew Vanderbilt wasn't going to be able to really do anything, even when they cut the lead to four. You never really felt like State was giving it away, and so I think State just sort of got caught up in that a little bit. But I, I agree with you that that game was. It was not a, 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 a Picasso or a, a Van Gogh by any uh, stretch of the imagination. Felt like at times Vanderbilt was trying to shoot a beach ball into a golf hole. <laughs> That's a great analogy. It's very accurate. I mean, it just it just never. It just outside, Vanderbilt's just not any good. It's just simple as that. Yeah, outside of the the Neesmith kid for Vanderbilt when he hit back to back threes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, it was. You take those two, well, I hate it when we do that. We go, well, if you take that out, you were left with this. You you can't do that. Right. He was two of six from behind the arc, but they hit only five threes in the game. So Vandy was five of 19 from behind the arc. Mississippi State was five of 19 from behind the arc. And maybe there's something to be said, though, for being able to go on the road and play against a team that's not very good in an environment that's just okay and not play your best, but still come out with, I think they said on the broadcast the second largest, in terms of margin of victory, road win in the Ben Howland era. I mean, that's probably accurate, yeah. I mean, I, w- I would believe that. State has not had a lot of success on the road under Ben Howland. And, you know, been obviously the first two years, Mississippi State didn't have a lot of success, period. Uh, last season, they got a couple of road wins here and there. But, you know, for the most part, it's been a you know win at home uh, kind of thing. So, yeah, to get this win, and especially in Vanderbilt, you're talking about a place you haven't won at I think since 2012, since Rick Stansberry's last year at Mississippi State, and, and historically, State's only won there nine times in the history of, of the university. So it's always been sort of a house of horrors for Mississippi State. So to go up there 
And when you play a bad team, you should beat them badly. Uh, that's one thing I've always said. Good teams playing bad teams, the good team should win by, by a large margin, and that's exactly what happened in this game. Hey, Dad, do you think there's ever going to be a time where we look at Lamar Peters and go, he's just a model of consistency? <laughs> uh Maybe. I mean, if it ever happens, buddy, Mississippi State's going to take off. They're going to be one of the top teams in the country because the, the talent level, the ceiling for Lamar Peters is so high. But, but you're but right. See, I, I don't mean, even need to see him like at his ceiling. Like, yeah. like if you told me he was, if it was a 10 story building and he played on the sixth floor, yeah. but he played on the sixth floor every single game. Yeah. That's a guy that can lead you to a bunch of wins. But but yeah. I look at a stat line like Lamar Peters had on Saturday night. He's got seven points and you know a couple of rebounds, a couple of turnovers, a couple of assists. Yeah. Just nothing remarkable at all. And I couldn't help but think back to early last year when he was pretty bad and he was temperamental. And then down the stretch, he was really good last year. Yeah. And he came out of the gates, what, first 10, 12 games or so this year. He was great. But it's like he's in a little bit of a lull right now where the numbers he's putting up just aren't what he's capable of at all. Yeah. And he got in foul trouble uh, Saturday night. Got a fourth including foul. Including a technical foul. Including a technical, which if you go back and watch Bryce Drew, uh, you can sort of see him. He almost talks the uh, official into calling that technical foul. But Lamar, you know, was, was being you know loud and, and didn't need to be. Uh, so he, he, you know, he missed out on some minutes. But I mean, you're right, Richard. If Peters was a consistent performer at three quarters of his talent level, he would be an All SEC player, no question about it. If he ever reached his full potential, he could do that night in and night out. You're talking about a potential lottery pick. But you know, I know they waved it off. But the shot that he hit right before halftime was remarkable, yeah. only because Hilarious. the ball spun. He did a complete three sixty five. Times I around it was the six. rim yeah. before it finally fell in. I tweeted out, you know, t- our, Tim Brando always the iron unkind. I said the iron was kind, and immediately I got four or five responses, but the clock was not. Yes, because they yes, did wave they, it off. So yeah, I, I mean, they, with Peters, I, I, it's just going to be one of those things. You know, we'll see if he if he can take off in the second half of this season. Uh, the way he did last year, State's going to need him to do so because you look at these next five games, Richard. Four ranked opponents, Kentucky, uh, Auburn, uh, Ole Miss, and LSU. And then the one game in the middle there is Alabama. You're at Alabama, who Avery Johnson has done a great job against Mississippi State in his time there. And, you know, they've beaten Kentucky. They took Tennessee to the wide. I told you that game was going to be closer than we thought it was going to be. And I don't remember you saying that. I'm sorry. So, I mean, You're talking about you know, the that, new number one team in the country, the Tennessee the number Vols, one got Tennessee forty-eight first-place yeah. votes. Yeah, that, they're a good team. But SEC I, you know, teams in the top twenty-five: Tennessee one, Kentucky eight, uh, Auburn sixteen. They dropped two spots. Ole Miss is at twenty, and LSU is at twenty-five. So LSU's fourteen and three with a win against Ole Miss this past week. They get into the polls at twenty-five. Ole Miss goes one and one this week. They drop two spots. And Auburn is at 16 when they're 13 and 4. So Ole Miss has a win against Auburn. LSU has a win against Ole Miss. Auburn's coming off a loss at home, and Auburn is four spots in front of Ole Miss and nine spots in front of LSU. Sure. Makes sense to me? That makes sense to you? I mean, you know how it goes with these rankings. I know. It's just, no, it's I, just, do. I do. You start oh, where you start means so much. 
And Mississippi State's in there at 22, so they move up two spots yeah. uh, in the AP poll this week from 24 to uh, 22. So you got a top 25 matchup in Lexington on Tuesday night. Yeah. You excited about be, that one? I, I don't know what to make of that game. You know, I've watched Kentucky play a couple times this year. And you know they've they've there there have been times when Kentucky looks really bad. They just don't look like a, a good team. And then they have times when, like Saturday. They went to Auburn. They weathered that storm and, and got out there with a win. They were up and, seventeen and then ended up trailing with thirty seconds to go and yeah. still won. I mean, what a what a tremendous game! Uh, you got Horace Spencer getting busted wide open out there. You know, Jared Harper making shots. It was it was you know. I, I, I'm not as big a college basketball fan as I used to be, but I watched some of that game and I enjoyed it. I watched some of Duke Virginia as well. And, I mean, Kentucky can be really, really good. They can be a team to to make you wonder. But, you know, with Mississippi State, sort of the same thing. I mean, the talent's there. If, if Is it going to get unlocked? You're, you're commenting about Lamar Peters. You could say it for just about everybody on the team outside of maybe Q, and even Q has his bad games, where, you know, are they ever going to play all at their potential for a consistent stretch of time? Because if that happens, State could go on a winning streak and put themselves into – Contention to be not only a high seed in the NCAA tournament, but you know Tennessee's going to drop a game or two eventually. You'd be, you would be in contention to win the conference championship if you ever got everybody on the same page playing at a high level. So that's you know it's on Ben Hallen to unlock that, and we'll see if it can happen. Yeah, a stat line for Nick Weatherspoon where he's got six points in thirty-four minutes. Yeah, that's uh, it's hard for me to make that compute. Yeah. And you know he played the point a lot. He, he was doing. I, I want to say he was doing some distributing, but you don't see it because he was only he only had the one assist. But he was sort of forcing that uh, that point. But he's had an off shooting night. He was two of seven. He's over two from three, and he's been shooting the ball really well this year. Yeah. One of state's best shooters out there on the perimeter. But like I said, it was just an ugly game. Other than Q, I mean, who had a really you know Holman had ten points on four of nine shooting. Tyson Carter played all right. But for the most part, it was just sort of, you know, the State just sort of put it together. They were the better team. You know, from a scoring perspective, State was down nine points from what they averaged on the year. They were down about two point two and a half points from what they normally shoot on the year. So, I mean, it was an ugly game, but State found a way to win it. We will spend more time on SEC men's basketball tomorrow. The game's coming up tomorrow night, Auburn and South Carolina, Mississippi State at Kentucky, Texas A&M at Florida, and Ole Miss at Alabama. That's the uh, the late game tip. Tips at eight o'clock on ESPNU. Coming up next, there will be no losers. There will no winners and losers. It will be winners only. You you guys okay with that? I didn't think you would be. Winners and losers coming up next in the Renaissance Bank Studio. All right, I'll go fast on my three winners because I know you guys have got a bunch you want to say. Uh, Jared Goff, 25 of 40, 297 yards, a touchdown, drove the Rams. Uh, you got to remember, the Rams were trailing with a minute 40 to play. He drove them down, got them in field goal range, and ultimately, uh, maybe, was it Zerlin? Zerline? What's his name? Greg Zerline. Zerline. Maybe he's the one that should be on the winner's list for those two big field goals. But uh, I-, I thought Jared Goff played really, uh, really well. I'm going to give Colin Cowherd props and put him on the winner's list because of something that he said today that I heard on the radio that I thought was really, really interesting. And this is a point that I I had not thought of on my own. At what point throughout the course of this season did you think the New England Patriots were the best team in the AFC? And the answer is today. 
only today do you look up and you go, wow, Brady did it again. And all conversations about whether or not he is the GOAT, I mean, they're mute. Moot. Moot and mute. You can press mute on those conversations because it is a moot point with Tom Brady. He's headed to his ninth Super Bowl, third in a row, fifth in the last six years. And uh, props to Ole Miss and State for getting wins in SEC basketball. Those are my three winners. Um, Borky, hey, Dad Rippy. We'll go in that order. Oh, we can snake draft it if you want to. Sorry? Snake draft, where you do one and then the next one does one and the next one does one. Oh, and that's then... fine. However you want to do it. Yeah, well, my winner is the NFL because they got the exact matchup they wanted. Their shiny new toy in Los Angeles with the market 12 times bigger than that of New Orleans. And then they got the entire Northeast there. But Boston is two times the size of Kansas City. So it's funny that obviously questionable officiating went in favor of the big market teams over the much smaller market team. So congratulations to the NFL. They got the exact Do you believe what you're saying there? Not a word. But it's, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, just I can hear sure. the helicopters. I can hear them. <laughs> no, not a word. But, man, it did work out so for them, didn't it? The 108 million people that are going to watch the Super Bowl were going to watch the Super Bowl regardless. Yeah. Right? Without okay. a doubt. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to. Even though I'm going to probably have a few more drinks and, and maybe eat a, a little bit more. Yeah, I'll still be watching the game, even though I'll be mad about it. Hey, Dad, are you more likely to go to Borky's Super Bowl party now or not so much? Oh, I'm not coming now. I'm not, no. I got, no. I'll just watch the not game. Now that house. you could just go and eat and, and do so with I no emotional house. investment in the game. I can just eat in my house. It's just easier. I'm not, okay. I'm not, I'm not, there will be no, no, you know, no. I'm not, I'm not leaving Starkville for this. Hey, Borky, are you going to finally burn that dumb t shirt now? Not you, too. <laughs> Uh, that is an think, awesome t-shirt. I, I think he said what. something about a snake draft, so I guess it's your turn. Hey, Dad. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to get away from the NFL. Uh, I'm going to go with Zion Williamson. I had not had a chance. <laughs> I, I've, I've seen highlights, right? I've seen the highlights, and they're, they're spectacular. But I actually sat down and watched Duke-Virginia on Saturday night, and uh, wow. Man, that is a man among boys out there. Duke's really good, and they got other great players. And Virginia's a fantastic team. And Zion Williamson looks like somebody took an NBA All-Star and put him in a college game. What a fantastic player. Looking forward to his uh, his future what, in the NBA. Was the play where he got hacked on the arm and he still oh dunked it after going coast-to-coast, coast, the one where you just like had to pick your mouth up off the floor? Yeah, I had I got a friend that works at Duke in the, as one of the SIDs over there, and I, I had uh, tweeted him a while back. I said, I need to know what his middle name is. So that when he does things like that, I can do the Kobe Bean Bryant kind of tweet for him. It's Latif. Zion Latif Williamson. Good to know. That's against a defense, too, the way Virginia plays yes. defense. That you would have thought they were going it's going to be very hard to get him the ball in favorable spots, and he just He got the ball to himself, like on the offensive glass and other things, but he was he said was, pack line, schmack yeah, line. He was dominant. All right, Rippy. Got a winner? Uh yeah, Gronk. Everyone th- kept talking about how he's a shell of himself and all that, and he kind of proved that he still got it a little bit, had some huge catches. They, for whatever reason, guarded him one-on-one on the outside at a couple of crucial moments, and I'm assuming he was laughing at them inside his helmet for that because Gronk does laugh a lot, and it seemed like a pretty, pretty silly strategy. Uh, Tony Romo on the winner's list? I mean, everybody's just calling him the wizard now on Twitter. He was absolutely 
remarkable as a color analyst in that game last night. I wonder how long. Do you think that'll last forever? Because right now, I mean, he's still keen on the terminology and stuff. Do you think he'll always be able to do that? I I didn't feel like he keyed on terminology last night. I thought that was the sign of a guy who spent 20 years around the NFL, college football into the NFL, transitioning into the broadcast booth, who had very clearly done his homework and sees the game and is able to communicate what he sees in a way that maybe no color analyst has ever been able to communicate before. It's so much better to hear him than the other color analysts, like Troy Aikman, who's just like, "Well, you know, going to have to get in, going to have to score here if they want to win." I mean, I appreciate Tony Romo taking me inside. Like he, he, that, that that is much better. You don't have to dumb it down for everybody. And and I didn't feel like it. Like when he was making predictions before plays, Borky a year ago, it felt like a novelty, and everybody's like, "Ah." Well, he, he's still doing it, but he's doing it in a different way, and he's pointing to things and highlighting things that are mismatches on the field or things that quarterbacks are looking for specifically, matchups that they're looking for. Gronk on a safety. Edelman because there's no safety in the middle of the field and they need a chunk play. Nobody with the ability to get separation, and so this is the guy you're going to hand it to. I mean, I just I thought it was an absolute clinic last night. Like you're learning. He's teaching you. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, Here's a a winner for you, and then a hot take to follow. Rick Barnes in Tennessee. Them getting to number one is is remarkable. It's a really cool story, but enjoy it while it lasts because it's not going to last very long. This will be their money year, and it will fall off dramatically after. They just don't recruit well enough to sustain this level of success. Hot take. Okay. My next winner is Richard Cross because I just saw the Yankees have traded Sonny Gray. Congrats. (laughs) I saw somebody put a quote up today about Sonny Gray from something he said in June where he said, I feel like four out of five days we're the best team in baseball, and then I go out and do something like that. It's like he kind of signed his own release papers in June, and it just flew under the radar. Congrats, Richard. You got got out of from underneath that. Mm, Thanks. Thanks. Uh, Anything else, Rippy? You want to skip to a loser? Yeah, I could go. Okay, go for a loser. Uh, Borky and Hey Dad. Tough day. Oh, you... <laughs> <laughs> Off the top rope. <laughs> no, in, in reality, <sighs> it's the same. Oh no! In reality, you nailed it. Now, if it's, you want to soften it, feel free. Look, it 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 stinks. Like I I I was trying to make the point earlier in the show. There was a number of things they could have done to win the game. I mean, they were got outgained. They averaged two yards a rush. They you know two of five in the red zone. But at the end of the day, that was just an egregious missed call and like it was uh, it, it was kind of bang bang the first time i saw it on the television screen but when they showed the replay and then when the defender after the game says i was just trying to save a touchdown i turned around to look where the flag was that's uh that's rough what was it he he said in his quote after the game it is what it is the ref made the call respect the call <laughs> I mean, he he said he, he literally said I was trying to save a touchdown, which seems dumb because a touchdown would have actually helped them because they weren't going to get the ball back if you know it what you know if it wasn't a touchdown. But mm-hmm. he said I was fully expecting a flag. Like when the defender is literally like I don't know where the flag was or wasn't, 
that's uh that's pretty bad. All right, loser, Forky. Can't, can't believe he said that. I mean, I, I had just I just bought you a a gift card at Gap Junior, and now I'm going to take it back. <laughs> uh, oh, low man. blow. Didn't expect Did you, enjoy you to. The, hey, 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 Dad. Did you enjoy the DXL ball from Frisco? Oh, it was it was a big game. Come on, two more losers for me quick. Yeah, loser NFL refs in two games. The the egregious no-call that should have never happened in the Saints game, and then the absolutely pathetic roughing the passer penalty in the Patriots-Chiefs game. Uh, Oh my gosh, a defender slaps Tom Brady in the chest and gets a roughing the passer while he's still holding the football. What a joke. Not to interrupt you real quick, but like, on top of that, how do you overturn the Edelman thing? Like, if the, uh, he may not have touched it, but the letter of the rule is indisputable evidence. Because how in the world is that an overturn? Idiots! Hey, I got one last winner. Yeah, my, my boy, Obi. So we're getting ready to go to lunch today, and he says he didn't even quite get the te- the teams right. He goes, "Glad, Dad, I'm glad you didn't do the Saints Patriots game yesterday." I said. What do you mean? He's. I said, I mean, you mean like broadcast? He's like, yeah, I'm glad you didn't do that game because you got to stay home and put together Legos with me instead. I was like, from the mouth of babes. It doesn't matter that he didn't have the teams right. That was awesome. My little man. Has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. Just thought I'd share it. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Monday, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and you. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Do you have land financing needs? Maybe it's to buy a piece of hunting property. Maybe it's a duck hole, and you hope that next year is going to be better than this year was in duck hunting world. Maybe it's a spot where this spring you can get out and stake out those turkeys and track them and scout them and then get ready to shoot turkeys on your own place. Well, Mississippi Land Bank can help with that. They can also help farmers, if you're a farmer, with equipment needs, refinancing existing loans, buying land to increase the size of the farm. Whatever it is, Mississippi Land Bank can help. And I'm not being flippant when I say that. They've been financing land and land-related purchases for over 100 years They've got fantastic people spread out across branches all over North Mississippi. You can find where those branches are. If you go to the website, mslandbank.com, you can also give them a call. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Just after 5 o'clock, even though the Super Bowl is 13 days away and the conference championship games are one day in the rearview mirror right now, it is time for the college football fix. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Don't stop there. Let's go on down to your local Mississippi Ford dealer and test drive one today. Hey, Dad, good news or bad news first? Let's, let's, let's be positive today. Let's go with the good okay. news. Bob Shoup has signed an extension to stay on as the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. That is that is great news for Mississippi State because it's a big first deal, off, isn't it? Well, they, they could you they really couldn't go. I think it would have been twelve and fourteen years or something like that. It, I mean, it, going back to 08, I guess that's not right either. But I mean, yeah, 
you know, Ellis Johnson, Harbison, Torbush, Diaz, Wilson, Collins, Diaz again, Sermon, Carl Torbush, I forgot Grantham, about him. Yeah, Grantham, and shoot. So now you've got Shoop for a second year. Um, you, you really needed that consistency. You needed that that continuity. Also, Brian Baker signs an extension as well. I think those are state's two best overall assistant coaches uh, you know, in terms of you know, recruiting, what they're getting out of their players. I mean, who were the best groups for MSU last year defensively? The line and the safeties. Those are the two co- that's where those guys coach. Uh, they had a ton of talent there, but they got the most out of that talent as well. So, yeah, big news for MSU to keep shoot for another year. I know that was a concern for a lot of Bulldog fans. So that is on the good news side of things. On the bad yeah. news side of things, you remember that Charles Huff's name came up when the Akron job was open and ultimately pulled his name out of the search. You know, maybe or maybe he didn't uh, have a shot at that job. According to AL.com, Alabama is set to add another coach to its offensive staff. Nick Saban is expected to hire Mississippi State running backs coach Charles Huff. Is that official at this point? I don't know if if Alabama has released anything on it, but if you go to Charles Huff's Twitter page, it is decked out in crimson. Uh, He he has made he has made that RTR Twitter official, I guess. Yeah, so he's uh, he is going to uh, be heading over to Alabama. Uh, and taking, from what I can tell, running backs coach and could possibly get a co-offensive coordinator title as well. What does that mean for Mississippi State? Uh, well, it means, you know, it's, it's sort of funny. You think about Mullen all the years he was there. Not a lot of turnover on the offensive side of the ball, and he was the offensive coach. It was always on the defensive side of the ball. And so you've got Moorhead in year one, an offensive coach, and he's losing guys, you know. Now now he's losing them to good places. Uh, you know, Mark Hutzpeth is a head coach now. You can't really turn that down. Charles Huff going to Alabama, that is – it may be the same position, but it, it's definitely not a lateral move. You're moving up in, in, in stature there. There's did been did you run talk. that by Dan Mullen to be sure? I, I did, and he didn't know who I was. Uh, I, I went, I, you know, there's also the rumor that Luke Getze could be making a return to the NFL. That's just a rumor at this point, but you know, these are not lateral moves. These are guys moving up. This isn't, you know, they're, they're not taking a job at, you know, ULM or something like that. No, no offense to ULM out there. So, I mean, I guess you can portray it as a good thing, but State needs to be better offensively next year, and you were hopeful that bringing back the coaching staff and you could keep that continuity and, and, and everybody could sort of grow together. And instead, you're bringing in some fresh faces, uh, you know. And you're also you're in the middle of recruiting season. You're only three weeks away from signing day. This is a big recruiting weekend coming up for Mississippi State. They've got a lot of their their unsigned prospects and, and top targets coming into Starkville. So, got to move quickly, I think, if you're Mississippi State to, to to fill that void because Huff, his specialty was recruiting, and that's where you know I think you're going to miss him the most. The Gallo Show will be live from 6 to 9 tomorrow at the Mississippi Capitol for the School Choice Rally. You'll hear from parents, legislators, and children who are championing, championing giving families the real choice in their kids' education. That's the Gallo Show tomorrow at the Capitol, 6 to 9 in the morning for the School Choice Rally. Also, don't forget that you can subscribe to the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and now it's available for you on Spotify. Just search Sports Talk Mississippi to get the latest Sports Talk Mississippi podcast on your device anywhere, anytime. And while you're doing that, don't forget to also subscribe to Thunder and Lightning if you want more of Brian Haydad and also Joel Coleman in your life on a daily basis. And who wouldn't, really? Um, don't answer that. 
Rippy, you want to handle this one? That was a no, no, not the death I don't have any more. I don't have any more bullets in the chamber. I'm done. <laughs> He's out of, uh, out of one-liners for the uh, for the day. Thank God for that. Hey, we looked at the uh, the AP poll earlier uh, today. As far as basketball goes, net rankings. You're coming becoming more and more familiar with that, right? Tennessee yeah. at four, despite being number one overall. Kentucky at eight. That matches their spot in the AP poll. LSU 14, Auburn 23, Ole Miss 25, Mississippi State 27. That's a good spot. Florida 35, Alabama 50. And then just outside the uh, top 75, you got Missouri at 76, Arkansas at 84, Vanderbilt at 91. How about nobody in the SEC below 113? We've said it before, there just aren't many bad losses that are out there. Are we ever going to get to a... Are we ever going to figure out how good of a metric this is? Because it feels like when they put it together, it was just a bunch of stuff. And like, like I'm not, I'm not saying it's it's not working or anything like that. But like, is there going to be a point, whether it's the NCAA tournament or something, where we figure out the flaws or, or if it's flawless? It's still so early with it. I mean, I'm not, you know. And it's so fluid. It's crazy. Maybe it's just me, but you know, I, I was a guy who, you know, last year at the at the end of the season, I was keeping up with RPI a lot because you know I, th- I was trying to see a state going to make it. They were on the bubble, and it seems like this is more fluid than before. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing yet. But I, I think we have to sort of see how it all pans out. I think we have to let, let the full season happen before we can judge it. Hmm. You want to be a part of the show? You can do so on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395 601-879-4395 C Spire customer inspired. Don't forget if your phone is a little rough around the edges, well, you you don't have to immediately get rid of it. You can go find a C Spire location because C Spire is um, well, they're now certified repair centers from Brandon to Tupelo. Drop your phone off, but really you can stand there and wait. They can fix any problem on any device from any carrier. Usually only takes 15 or 20 minutes. Certified phone repair locations are now available at C Spire. Find a location near you online. C Spire, customer inspired. Um, basketball results from the weekend. Did any of these surprise you? Tennessee 71-68 over Alabama. A little bit of a controversial traveling call late in that ball game. Not surprised. I thought it would be a, a pretty hard-fought game. Uh, but that said, I mean, maybe a little closer than I thought it was going to be. But Alabama played pretty well. Kentucky 82-80 over Auburn on the Plains. Auburn was down 17 in the game. They actually took an 80-79 to lead. And then Kentucky won it 82-80. to Florida beat Georgia by 10. That was in Athens. Another sellout at Stegman. I don't know how many more of those they're going to have. Missouri 66-43 over Texas A&M. Billy Kennedy was not pleased. He played a bunch of walk-ons in the second half of that game. He said, we're going to at least play somebody that cares about Texas A&M basketball. And then LSU kind of boat raced South Carolina, 89-67. Boys, it feels like LSU is coming into their own as a basketball team. They move into the top 25 uh, at number 25 this week. Yeah, wiretap Will's got something going. I think um... (laughs) – Talk about me just – Shooting bullets off into the distance. Hey, we both are, of we you are, guys. Um, you threw shade at Georgia. folks today. 
Uh, but but seriously though, Richard, a- after the Ole Miss game, and you caught a little bit of heat for it, and it was unjustified. You said that this LSU team may be the most athletic on Ole Miss's schedule, and look at what they just did to four and South Carolina. If they're coming to their own, they're terrifying because of how athletic they are. What ripping wiretap will you like that, don't you? Borky <laughs> coming strong on a Monday. Uh, Sports Talk game. Mississippi. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Spent a whole bunch of time earlier on the NFC Championship game. I know locally there's probably less interest in the AFC Championship game, but what a game it was last night with the Patriots and the Chiefs. The biggest story coming out of that game, or the, the question that most everybody seems to be asking is, Playoff rules are ridiculous. When are you going to change the, I'm sorry, overtime rules? When are you going to change the overtime rules? Because Chiefs never got a chance in overtime. Do you guys have a problem with that? Not necessarily, but I will say this. Just from a sales perspective, if you're the NFL, who is the most transcendent eyeball-popping player in the league right now that everybody wants to see and talks about? Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes. Tom Brady. Come on. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Tom Brady. That's all everybody talked about all year long was Patrick Mahomes. He does the, the no regular season. Passes we're, not, and, we're not in the regular uh, season right, anymore. No, you, you no, are completely you missing my I'm just, point. I, it, I'm just disagreeing with you. But you're, you're not you letting me finish, though, before you that, – that's my point, okay. is you won't let me finish. Okay, well, go ahead and finish. You go didn't ahead. give the soon-to-be league MVP – a guy that has been talked about ad nauseum all year long and does all this crazy stuff and broke records and 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns in overtime in a conference championship game did not touch the football. That's, from a sales perspective, if you're the NFL, that should be your incentive to change the rules. I'm fine with the way they are. you got to go play defense and make a stop. But this guy, your league MVP, didn't get a touch in overtime. And that if I was an NFL executive, would rub me the wrong way. Yeah, I think this weekend's game sort of proved, by the way, that the MVP of the NFL is Tom Brady. I mean, it's just Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the best player on the best team. He is the one who makes the best team go. You can't ever count him out. He's the MVP. It's It's sort of like Jordan. You know, he's the MVP until he's not playing anymore. Tom Brady should just be the MVP, period. Kind of like LeBron in the NBA? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, Is there a dumber penalty in all of professional sports than lining up in the neutral zone? (laughs) you got to be trying, man. you got to really try to do that. I mean, literally, the, the ability that it takes to not line up in the neutral zone is swiveling your head 45 degrees to the left or to the... I'm sorry, 90 degrees to the left or to the right, or only 45 degrees if you've got good peripheral vision. I kind of get it, though. I mean, they're, the left... Like, left tackles are so quick and so athletic nowadays that they're trying... Like, both sides of it are trying to do everything they can to get every single, like inch of an advantage there is. I mean, I don't disagree that it's it's stupid. You should always check to see where you're lined up. But, or, or, or maybe the better question is, 
do we believe that guys consistently line up in the neutral zone and it rarely gets called? Possible. To me, the dumbest penalty in sports is... good about calling it. I mean, we only see it when it's called, but I don't know. I feel like most of the time you can tell. Like, I guess not many people saw it beforehand, like when he was lined up. But Romo seemed to know. He knows everything, but he seemed to know pretty quickly what the penalty was. I don't know. Maybe. Well, I I saw the flag and knew they had a free play. I didn't know if they were going to call it offside or line it up in the neutral zone. I thought he jumped as opposed to being in the – maybe he jumped into the neutral zone. I didn't think necessarily that he was lined up in the neutral zone, but the the camera angle they had at the snap of the ball, you immediately saw the flag come out and realized this is a free play. I thought it may have been an offensive penalty, like holding illegal formation, something like that. But it was the side judge that threw it, though, that was right on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't know. Like at the snap. I didn't know where it came from. Um. Maybe I'm overplaying that. What what did you guys think of this game overall? Would have been a blowout if not for a couple of Brady mistakes. Not a blowout. Blowout is is a strong. <laughs> hey, term, Dad, but... I know why you're being quiet. By the way, <laughs> well, I mean, all I'll say is this: I didn't need to watch the game. I knew exactly what was going to happen. It was going to be close, but Brady would win. It's the script. But there were so I, I don't, many I don't need to watch to tell you what happened. Tom Brady won the game. I have a that, friend, Mike Bonner, who used to be you know down here on the beat, and he always says the same thing about the Patriots. He, the regular season, he doesn't care about the regular season. It's, the regular season for him started last weekend when the Patriots started playing football. That's the regular season for Patriots fans. And they have Tom Brady. So what are they worried about? It was interesting. Uh, my daughter... Um, who has, you know, she'll kind of sit there and watch a minute or two of football and then move on to something else. I don't know if it was just because we were home and I let her stay up a little bit later last night or what, but she really locked in to football last night. And I was proud of it, but there was a degree of patience that, that had to be employed because there were a bunch of questions, like, one question after another, after another, after another, and I had to remind myself, okay, this is this is good, and she really locked in on it. When the Patriots went up twenty-four to twenty-one, my eight-year-old daughter, who will be nine shortly, goes, "Well, I guess that pretty much does it. The um, Patriots are probably going to win this one. There were three and a half minutes left in the game, and I said, Hey, Montgomery, there's time for another couple of touchdowns in this game." She said, really? I said, oh, yeah. Who who knew that at that point we were going to have touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, that there would be three more touchdowns and another field goal in the game? And she was really intrigued by that. It's kind of neat to watch a game through the eyes of somebody who's never really paid attention to football before. Yeah, if that was your first game, like, really getting into football, you were probably thinking, like, what is this? Like, am I being hypnotized? Why do I feel this way? Because that was such a roller coaster. Yeah. Just up and down for really the entire second half. Because, I mean, the Chiefs scored in three plays after doing nothing the entire first half. And then everything else just kind of followed along with it. I mean, there were so many twists and turns that game. I mean, if the guy didn't line up offsides, the game doesn't even go to overtime. Well, we've had this this little game. Hey, Dad, I don't know if you do this with your kids or not. If a game pops up on TV, doesn't matter who it is. And it's gotten to the point where the kids ask me, which I don't care is not an okay answer for them. 
because I've always asked them, hey, guys, Team A and Team B is playing. Who do you want to win? Right. So, so yesterday it was, hey, the Saints and the Rams are playing. Who do you guys want to win? Ava Montgomery said the Saints. And so little brother obviously went the other way. He, he went with the Rams. So I guess he was some level of happy only because he thought she might be sad. So we get to the night game. Who do you want to win, guys? Obi says, I want the Chiefs to win. So Abe Montgomery wants the Patriots to win. Neither of them really care. Right. But it was fun for her to pick a team and then kind of stick with that team all the way through and kind of get to ride the roller coaster to uh, to the end of it. So, I don't know, just a, a, an entirely different perspective for me um, watching a kind of a high-stakes football game where I had no dog in the fight, but kind of getting to watch it through the do, do you do that with your kids? Hey, Dad. My kids. Hey, who do you want to win? I, I will occasionally do that if I catch them early in the game. Uh, but for the most part, my kids are so not into sports. It is it is unbelievable. You would you would never know they were my kids sometimes because they they have their own little things which I encourage and they play some sports. But as far as watching sports with dad, they they they've just never gotten into that for whatever reason. So Rippy threw this out there earlier. He goes, "Man, it looked cold." I'm not sure if somebody had given me a ticket to that game that I would have gone. So what about the other two? If somebody had offered you a ticket and transportation and lodging and all those things to go to the NFC or the uh, the champion the AFC Championship game, 19 degrees at kickoff, would you have gone? Yeah, because when would I get the opportunity to do that ever again? That was kind of my recoil. I initially said, no, I'd rather watch it on TV. But I said, for someone like me that's never been to Arrowhead in an environment like that, maybe. Yeah, I, maybe. I would go. I would go. I'd bundle up and go. I want a snow game. I want to go to Buffalo, New York, when they get like three feet of snow. Will and you, you jump ha- through a table? Oh, yeah. I would jump through a table. All right. <laughs> Got <laughs> to do it all if you're going to Buffalo. Yeah, I want, I want Army-Navy in the snow. That's the snow game I I want to go to. I don't mind cold weather. I'm a cold weather guy, so it doesn't really bother me. Well, the bottom line is if you prepare for it, it's really not that bad. Bundle up, a little fireball, you're all good. (laughs) If that's the uh, hot chocolate, coffee, also options that are on the table. Those are options, but, you know, let's Probably not in Buffalo. Yeah, maybe not. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.